Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Dr. Neil Rao is an infectious diseases specialist in Ontario, assistant professor at the School of Medicine at the University of Toronto. Dr. Rao, thanks for taking the time. Hi there. So let's start with this. Hospitals in Ontario must now halt all non-emergency surgeries and procedures according to the Chief Medical Officer of Health because of COVID. Can you speak to that? Well, this is a very reasoned and reasonable decision because we do have a healthcare strain situation in uh, the GTA and even some other areas of Ontario, this time Ottawa and uh, so on. So definitely cutting back on elective procedures for a short period of time is reasonable. Uh, Obviously, there's going to be a backlog to pay for at the end. But I think given the strain that we're seeing where we are borrowing people from other services, nurses and physicians from other services to cover expanded ICUs, uh, this is reasonable because elective surgery patients, some of them do need to convalesce in the intensive care unit and they can create a surge on the system. Or even if they go to a medical ward after a surgery, if they uh, turn foul, they end up in the ICU in the intensive care unit. So right now they're trying to preserve intensive care unit capacity. So this is the the underpinning basis for that. Are we reaching the limits of our ability to adjust? I don't think so. We have done a valiant job of dealing with a tsunami in this third wave. And one of the ways we dealt with it is by having a very sophisticated patient transfer system. So I work both at Humber River Hospital, which is at the center of the outbreak, And I also work in Oakville, where we are receiving the second highest number of patients in all of Ontario from other places where we've created capacity to receive people. So you have a good, uh, it's almost like having air traffic control where you have planes landing and there are too many planes relative to the number of runways available. So you divert the aircraft somewhere else. That's kind of what's going on. Uh, And so sometimes people are being transferred long distances. This won't last forever. There are signs that Ontario's outbreak is cresting even if it is cresting in terms of the number of cases per day stabilizing or dropping, it doesn't mean we're out of the woods in terms of the intensive cure unit strain because people who are infected today take a couple of weeks to turn south and end up in an intensive cure unit. So I think we're looking at at least another three or four weeks of strain on the healthcare system, even if the community transmission is dropping. So I'm talking to medical experts across the country in our COVID in Canada series, and thank you again for coming on the show. Dr. Brian Conway is going to be with us later, the medical director and infectious diseases specialist at the Vancouver Infectious Diseases Centre. You've spoken very uh, highly of the way British Columbia has handled itself and handled the uh, the, uh, pandemic. As you look at what's going on in the province of Ontario, how would you assess how Ontario is dealing with the issue today. So when it comes to the healthcare system, I think Ontario is doing fine. I think they've been as resourced as they could be, and they've done a lot of surge planning. Maybe we didn't think about the human manpower side of the surge planning. We built the rooms and the beds and got the ventilators, but we didn't think about the staffing piece well enough. But easy to say we're in the middle of it, we're dealing with it. 
I think with BC's approach, they're doing similar things to us when it comes to the healthcare system, but one dramatic difference is that the degree of their lockdown is less than Ontario's. And that's where I personally criticize Ontario's approach because I don't think every single thing we are making people do in society is going to move the needle much. We know this outbreak is really localized near Humber River Hospital in Peel region where you have the factories, distribution centers, people who are so-called essential, who have multiple contacts per day because of the nature of their job or because they have to work in an enclosed setting. Then we can talk about great ventilation all that we want. When you have an inhospitable climate like uh, Canada, it's hard to keep the windows open. It's not going to be Barbados or, or Jamaica with the ceiling fan running and the breeze coming in from the ocean while people work in a factory or a distribution warehouse. So uh, let me ask you about um, Canada's decision yesterday to stop flights from Pakistan and India for 30 days. That's been called for by many people for some significant period of time. So stop the flights from coming in from hotspots around the world. What's your assessment of that? And I'll ask you within the context, this context, there the Brazilian uh, variant appeared in British Columbia and the response in BC was, no point in doing inspections at the airport because the thing's already here. I never have understood that. What's your sense of, of banning flights from Pakistan and India for 30 days uh, and keeping the variants out? Can we do that? Is it possible? You, you, you can't. It's already here, by the way. The Indian one's already here. And the more you look, the more you will find. We've been doing whole genome sequencing on all isolates. So we know it's emerging here, but it hasn't taken over as the dominant winner. Uh, still, the UK strain is, is the is the winner, sadly. All right. Remember, I used to make jokes about how this is like political parties. Some of them get a bit of traction and some of them stay kind of as fringe. And so with these variants, you don't know who's going to be the winner of the variants. But right now, the UK variant is by and large the winner. Um, I think stopping flights, it makes for good political theater, but it doesn't really work. If you want to prevent importation of disease, it's much better to let people continue to come in but to couple it with a very aggressive testing strategy. Test people on arrival, make them test again, even at day three, and then at day seven. You'll capture most of the imported cases. You can't stop this forever. We can't become a Canada bubble relative to the world forever. We're still gonna have truckers and other essential people who come across the border anyways. So unless we have this very consistent way of throwing every trucker in a quarantine hotel, which is not practical, we still have a leaky sieve. So I, I think at the end of the day, it's better to stop chasing each variant like whack-a-mole and to start thinking about strategies that focus on importation if that's our focus. Another approach is to say, listen, you can't stop it. We do some testing when people come from high incidence countries like India, we really focus on that, but we don't stop the flights altogether. There are also our political ramifications with India, in terms of how they will react to our cutting ourselves off from them and we're also relying on them for vaccine and other forms of diplomacy so you know this can end up being a hostile kind of battle between countries if we keep uh, closing borders or preventing people from moving from one country to another and we did it with the uk for a while and it didn't work anyway so i think we've already had this experience i'm surprised we're doing it with the indian situation except to maybe say aggressive testing and quarantine uh, of people perhaps at home 
with a mandatory testing strategy, I think that would have been a better approach. That's my view. Okay, final question for you. Make the case, please, for being vaccinated. Now, I was vaccinated three weeks ago yesterday, and I'm still seeing emails from people telling me that what I've had done is a time bomb injected into my body. Look, I don't understand that because I'm glad I was vaccinated. I want the second one as soon as I can get it. But there are concerns that people have. So, you know, you hear AstraZeneca all the time. Then you hear about Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson and Moderna. Dr. Rao, make the case for people getting vaccinated. So, you know, I'm very pro-vaccine and I've had it myself and I'm lucky to have even gotten two doses of the vaccine. I think the fears about this AstraZeneca vaccine have really been overblown. It's appropriate the media covered them because many other countries looked at this issue of the AstraZeneca vaccine differently from other vaccines that are available. But in some cases, there's no other vaccine available. And when you look at this at a population level, even at an individual level, the benefits of the vaccine outweigh the small risk. I think that people who have underlying medical conditions who are over 50 years of age with haste should get the vaccine. They're the ones to benefit the most. If people are vaccine hesitant and they're between 30 and 50 and they have underlying, no underlying disease, fine if they want to wait. But I think the risks are really small if they're going to wait and shop for the vaccine of their choice. Um, the other thing that's going to come up is we may have variants emerging which compromise the effectiveness of the vaccine. Maybe we're going to have to revaccinate some people. That doesn't mean we should stop getting it now because there will be some partial protection against new strains because we've seen that countries that didn't have big first waves are being spanked now by the virus like Chechia and India, whereas countries that had bigger first waves like the UK are now in an enviable situation, even though the variant did emerge and do its damage. So I think at some point we have to get population immunity through the vaccine or through infection. And if we get it through the vaccine, we don't get the nasty effects of the disease, especially when we have risk factors for a bad outcome of the disease. So I'm very pro-vaccine either way. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.